0: You were listening to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast, episode 89, with Tom
1: Ryan. You know, you you're only a walk-on if you view yourself as one, right? And you just how you see yourself is so much more important than how anybody else sees you, right? You never see yourself through anybody else's lens other than your own, right? And uh and for me, I never felt like I was a walk-on. I never viewed myself as a walk-on. You know, I viewed myself as someone that was committed to the sport. And whether or not anybody in the organization knows I'm going to have an influence in it, I know I'm going to. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100% how to pick myself up and be a man after I failed.
0: And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it,
1: it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestle because if you wrestle, natural talent helps
0: but it's it's of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me. taught me humility. Nothing can humble you more than wrestling.
1: I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn. You learn how to adapt. You learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
0: Ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is the great Tom Ryan, head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, two-time All-American for Gable and the Hawks in the early 90s. This is an all-time podcast, and let's just skip the intro and get right to it. Fan of the week goes to my man, Jacob Valdez. That's I'm starting Monday on the gram. He's a proud owner of a brand new red and gold Wrestling Changed My Life t-shirt. So thank you so much for your support. Greatly appreciate it. Last but not least, if you enjoy this episode, please give us a star rating on iTunes or whatever platform you use. But if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, just scroll to the bottom. You'll see the stars there. Click whichever you deem appropriate. No judgment. No judgment whatsoever. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Tom, the King of Long Island, Ryan. Peace!
1: Um, You want me to sit here? Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, I'll stay here.
0: yeah, well, I was just, I thought it was interesting that your brother went to Syracuse. Yeah. And that's how kind of you got to Syracuse, right?
1: Yeah, I followed him. I mean, he first signed, he actually initially committed to LSU. Okay. My brother did. He committed to LSU, and then LSU dropped. Larry Shakatana was like, okay, I'll, I'll fund the program. And LSU decided to drop the program. So my brother went a little further north to the University of Tennessee where he wrestled with Gray Simons, which okay. is where I was going to go. And then, uh, my senior year in, in high school was my brother's uh, – my junior was my brother's uh, uh, freshman year at Tennessee because LSU dropped, went mm-hmm. to Tennessee, and then Tennessee dropped, and he went to Syracuse. So coming out of high school, my senior year, he was at Syracuse. He was a team captain there, and uh, my, 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 my soul, the deepest part of my soul wanted to wrestle at Iowa. Yeah. But I didn't win the States my senior year, and not that it would have mattered. But uh, you know, I never had the chance to go to the University of Iowa. So I went to Syracuse and I was happy there for two years and then decided I should, I should look for something else. But, but uh, yeah, so I, was, I went with my brother. where did the love start for Iowa, for you? Oh, the camps, I think. I think I just, I just um, you know, back then, back then there was, uh, you know, there was no internet. Right. You know, you got to watch them wrestle now and then on TV. You got to watch them in the wide world of sports, right? You got to see, uh, you know, the national finals. Yeah. And it was like a dark secret. You know, the dark secret was, you know, there they you know, I think a lot of the elite people just want to go where other elite people are. And and, and they were producing many of the elite people, mm-hmm. many of the elite wrestlers. So I wanted to be around that. So I would go to camp there every summer. It's called the J Rob camp, right? The Iowa intensive wrestling camp was at the time, then it then it transformed into J Rob camps. But but I went to uh, the Iowa camps and um, you know, knew some of them. I mean, really didn't get to know anybody on the team, but but they were all my idols, right? All these guys were winning championships and making Olympic teams. So for me, that's where I wanted to go. And um, yeah, they never called. <laughs> when would you say was your first time going out to Iowa for the J-Rob camp? <clears throat> I would say probably like 1982. Okay. I was in, I believe I was in eighth grade. The summer of my eighth grade, year. I started wrestling in seventh grade, but the summer of my eighth grade year is when, uh, well, I fell in love with wrestling day one. Really? Oh yeah, immediately. Immediately, mean, the first practice. Were you an I mean, obsessive kid about like all things though? Or like you just got in love with wrestling? No, I just, I played a lot of sports. I, I was, I was, uh, I played soccer. I played basketball. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I liked, I played baseball. Those were my three sports. And I wasn't very big. Like in eighth grade, I was like 90 pounds. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, as I, as, as I, uh, moved into seventh grade, uh, and tried out for the basketball team. I, I thought I was a great player personally. Yeah, I thought was a, I was. Mean, in my mind, I'm like I'm sweet at this. Yeah. And then in seventh grade, I tried out and I got cut. Mr. O'Leary, I'll never forget Mr. O'Leary. Oh, he was the vintage, man. you know, gym teacher, great guy. Gym teacher. He had the you know the the white band around his neck with the silver whistle, and uh, the clipboard, and uh, and he cut me. And I remember showing up at uh, at, at school. You know, it was three day tryout. You know, back then, you, you, your your name was either on the wall or not. Right? It was a sheet of paper. Yep. Here's who our team is, and you looked at it. You were there. You weren't there. There was no deep explanation of why you made or didn't make it. But my name wasn't on the list, and I went right into his office. I'm like, Mr. O'Leary, please tell me that this, this is a mistake. <laughs> you know, it's like that can't be that, that can't be right. Yeah. And he's like, listen, you. Uh, I'm sorry, you didn't make the team. You know, you didn't make the team. So um, I went home. And my brother didn't start wrestling until later, I believe ninth grade. And that, that night, and my mother was never like, you know, we had seven kids, she was busy taking care of the family. She would never get involved, right? Listen, you handle your own affairs. You know, She had too many other things to do to worry about me making the basketball team. She was disappointed, but she wasn't gonna get involved. So my brother's like, you're gonna wrestle. And I'm like, I am not wrestling. At first I, mean, I didn't know what wrestling was. Right. I mean, in seventh grade for me, I had never seen a wrestling match. Right, I never seen the headgear, pair of wrestling shoes, and uh, he's like, "You're gonna wrestle. I'm wrestling. You're gonna wrestle." I'm like, "Not a chance." The singlet scared me, yeah, for one. Yep. And uh, ultimately, he convinced me to try out, and it was Mr. Peppy and Mr. Holly, those were the the, the uh, junior high coaches, and I walked in the room and I got warm, and I'm like, "Wow, this is fun. One on one, mano y mano. This is for me." And I never looked back. So eighth grade, I got—I was full. I was six and three, my first year. Nine matches. So I had nine matches as a seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No summer wrestling. No. Oh my And God. then eighth grade, I really got into it and uh, went to camp for a month. And I would say that that was probably a, a turning point in my life from a standpoint of understanding. I wouldn't have viewed it this way at that time, but now that I'm an old man, mm-hmm. you look back, and it was chosen suffering. Yeah. Right. So you look back and you're like, wow, I really understood. Uh, my first glimpse of really suffering and the value in deep suffering. I mean, the camp was, as you, as you know, right, it was a, a one-month camp. It was four workouts a day. A Jay Robinson showed no mercy in his <laughs> training plan. If you want to stay, stay. If you want to leave, leave. Wow. Uh, but if you stay, you're going to be better for it. And uh, that was my eighth grade. I went eighth grade. I went ninth grade. Tenth grade, I went to a three-weeker. Uh, And, you know, wrestling became the sport that I saw myself in long term. Mm -hmm. Um, So I played soccer up until ninth grade. I tried football. I wasn't good at that. And I think for me, it was just common sense. I was very, I think I would say I'm very real with myself. And I'm not going to be an NFL lineman. I clearly wasn't going to play in the NBA. I wasn't going to play, you know, in major league. I couldn't hit. I could field pretty good, but I couldn't hit. So I was like, where's your bread going to be buttered? You know, for me, if I wanted to make a difference in the world and do something that I was actually good at, because it was, it was fun because I was good at it, mm-hmm. I was going to be wrestling.
0: You so. just kind of felt that you were going to be good at something. Like, you, you seem like a kind of guy where you, I've seen you watching videos or even watch, like, America's Got Talent. because you like getting inspired by people who do great things. So you seem like yeah. that kind of guy. Did that come from wrestling or you think that was always within you? You just had to find something to let it out?
1: I think it was probably in me. Yeah. It was probably always in me. And, and I think, I don't know, I think I would view myself as relatively practical. You know, I think I dealt in truth a lot. Like the reality was that I could live with the fact, I didn't trick myself into thinking that no matter how much I lifted and trained, I would ever be a high-level football player mm-hmm. or ever be a high-level, you know. So I was just real about how big I was, how big I was going to be in size. as a factor in it all. But... um. You know, I think family-wise, you know, mom and dad taught me to work hard, and and I saw them working incredibly hard. And I think, you know, hard work and wrestling are are best friends. Absolutely. You know, so you, you don't have to be the most physically, you know, gifted person. You can win. I mean, we've seen, right, guys win with no legs, one leg, half an arm, one and a half arms, you know. So it's an amazing sport from that standpoint that you can will yourself to things that you simply can't will yourself to. In other sports right you know
0: and it's like you never know how much is inside of you until you go there right yeah. and so you um, have a good high school career you, you mentioned you never won the States you had an ankle injury your senior year some of the schools didn't come calling that you thought um, you go to Syracuse to be with your brother right you qualify for nationals at what point when you're at Syracuse did you decide I have to go to Iowa
1: yeah so um, you know high school high school was it was a was probably uh, my senior year is probably one of the most difficult times hmm. of my life until later in life, mm-hmm. you know, but, but up until 17, you know, losing in the state finals is, is uh, in the, in the States due to an injury. I never made it to the state finals. Right. I was fourth. I was third. My senior I was heavily favored to win and got hurt the first round. And that was the first time I experienced like, like pain, not pain from the ankle injury, just pain from not attaining something that I couldn't fathom happening. Right, so, um some of the schools that were on me dropped off of me, and that to this day is is, is has been a driving you know a driving <laughs> yeah. force and and a learning tool you know as I was moving through the process of, of of looking at various schools and them looking at me, you know they were recruiting me based on who I was and my work ethic and and the things that I stood for and then and then to not win the States due to an injury and, and be dropped off of from a recruiting standpoint was hard for me to comprehend, even at that, at that age. Cause it's like, well, you were recruiting me because you've seen me wrestle mm-hmm. just cause I didn't win that tournament. It doesn't mean I'm still the same wrestler. Right. I had one leg. That's right? pretty mature
0: of you to think that at that age.
1: Yeah, it was, very, it was very, it was very, it was very, and, and Syracuse stuck with me. My brother was there. So, I mean, they, they had the gift of, 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 uh, a kind of forced and knowing that my knowing my brother well and how who he was right so they had an advantage over other schools and just uh probably knowing me better than some other schools but was iowa in a mix up until no. that point you're
0: not even then no, no
1: no 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 i could have pinned my way through the states and i wouldn't have called me <laughs> i mean i was realistic on that you know i wish they would have but um uh you know and my family was in a position where uh my dad did pretty well at that time you know, my, my my parents separated when 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 we were young, and uh, we we really needed some financial help. And Syracuse offered a full a full scholarship to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was there, so I wouldn't say it was the easy choice, but it was the it was the comfortable choice. It was the it was the common sense choice at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, Syracuse was doing well. You know, we won the AIWAs at Syracuse. We had a good team, and uh, so it was. Um, yeah. I, I went to Syracuse my brother and I were roommates and it was a great experience for That's two years awesome
0: so did you I've heard you say this in the past did you see the brains wrestle that winter when they were at a
1: duel on the East Coast yeah. what was that story so the decision to leave the decision to leave was um, uh, it was in the in the winter of my second year at Syracuse right it, 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 the the the, the the stirring in me kind of uh, started again to to, to be there. Uh, we were wrestling in the Penn State Open, uh, Syracuse was. And, and the night before the Penn State Open was the Iowa-Penn State Duel Meet. So I chose to go watch the duel. Uh, so I went to the duel, and I watched uh, Tom Brands wrestle. And he lost that night. I believe he lost to Jimmy Martin. Hmm but the fire that he wrestled with i wanted you know that's that's what i admired the most about the sport you know i want people clawing their way to points right and he had that <clears throat> so it kind of you know watching the whole team wrestle it kind of reignited this this fire in me and i finished a year at syracuse but i had made up my mind um that i was going to leave yeah yeah. So, so the season ends, and Chris Campbell. I've known him, Chris Campbell. Chris was a was a absolute specimen. specimen. He yeah. was an Olympian in '80, right? And an Olympian, i It was '92, and he came back. He came back. Yeah. We well, retired for 12, for 11 years. Was he was he the a world champ in '91. He was a world champ, and yeah, he was voted as the best technician in the world in I think 1980, 19. Uh, 1979.
0: Okay, cuz he beat Mark Johnson a couple times. Beat in Mark, yeah, he was
1: in, he was fantastic. I think he's seven Was the best technician in the world, won the world world champion. Favorites to win the Olympics in 80, they boycott Yep. They boycott 12 years later. You know, fast forward, he's an attorney now and he was living, he was training, he was a coach at Syracuse. Oh. He was an assistant coach at Syracuse helping out Gene Mills and coach Carlin, uh, Tony Catronio, some of the some of the great coaches that mm-hmm. were there. But um so he was there and Royce Alger who was an Iowa wrestler? Yeah, uh, had gone out to Syracuse to train with him. So 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 I was, you know, I was at every practice watching them train. I had made up my mind; I was already going to drive. I was leaving. Well, Royce is there. Ironically, ha- you know, happenstance is that Royce has a one-way ticket out there because he didn't know when he was going to leave based on the training. What a wild man! Yeah, yeah, he was just gonna he flew there to train. And when they both felt the training was enough, they were just going to buy a flight and go home. Yeah. Well, I watched all the training sessions. I was in all the training sessions with them. And I'm like, well, I'm heading out there. He's like, well, heck, I won't buy a flight. I'll just jump in the car. Do you mind? (laughs) Right. So no problem. So he jumps. I had never met him before. Didn't didn't know him. He was never one of my camp counselors out there. I'd watched him wrestle on TV and I admired the way he competed. Mm -hmm. And um, I I was, I don't want to say I was shallow at the time, but wrestling was my God. Right, wrestling, if you were good at wrestling, that was everything. It was everything, right? Yeah. You, you, you immediately had my attention. And he
0: was the Iowa poster child was, of the late 80s. He was the
1: Iowa poster child. I mean, champion, you yeah. couldn't
0: be bigger than Royce Hodges. No, he Ice was City. the man. Yeah, he was you know, tough and gritty and Wild physical. Wild. Well, yeah, well, yeah, he was
1: just a <laughs> poster. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that. I just knew that he was tough. Right. You know, and I knew that he, he, he won a lot. And I knew that I liked the way that he won. Mm-hmm. Um, so we jump in the car, and I'm thinking, too, it's a long drive you know, it's a long drive. Hey, two is better than one. Yeah. And we jump in the car and we don't know each other at all. And, uh, what? yeah, know. And he, and he, yeah, and he says to me, um, so we start driving. He goes, Hey, put this, put this, I had a Ford Escort GT, a red Ford Escort GT. My dad had had gotten me for Christmas and uh, I was so grateful for that thing. And, uh, and uh, it was Christmas on so my, uh, my, my sophomore year at, at, at uh, Syracuse, first time I had my car, and uh, so we start driving, and he hands me a cassette tape. was "Put this in." Now, usually, I th- I believe that the driver has say over the r- radio, definitely right. I mean, isn't definitely. that like a yeah? Yeah, it's kind of a rule 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 of the road, right? So, um, really, any anyway, guy, he's older. Oh yeah, I I, yeah. I listen. I, I'll do it. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in, man. Whatever you want, yeah, I'll put in whatever you want. You want to listen, whatever you want to listen to, I'll listen to it. So, I had never heard a country song in my life, it, <laughs> right? I had never heard a country song. I mean, I'm from New York. I'm yeah. from Long Island. I mean, I'm yeah. listening to, you know, disco and, and you know, <laughs> Michael Jackson. I like classic rock. And so <clears throat> I put the tape in and it's country. And we start this trip from, from Syracuse to Iowa. And maybe we left at five, six o'clock at night. So it's going to be a long drive through the night. So we start heading along Route 80 and he's sound asleep. And I'm driving and it's late at night and I'm a bit tired. And I remember as soon as he fell asleep, you know, I would give him a little nudge with my elbow and look at him and and, and uh, he was still asleep. So as soon as I hit stop on the cassette, on the on the on the yeah. on the cassette, he woke up, he opens his left eye and he looks at me, he goes, put that back on. Right?
0: <laughs> Jeez. So oh I put it back God. I put it back
1: on. I drove the whole way. He didn't drive a lick. I drove all the way to the, to, uh, to Iowa. He had he had graduated this time. Uh, we got to his house around I don't know four or five six in the morning. It was early. I laid on the couch for a minute, uh, and then moved into uh, an apartment uh, out there. And the rest is history. I, I ended up staying. Did so. you move in with Terry right away? I didn't. I didn't. First I first I stayed at hotel for a little bit. I made I made a, a friend out there. Kind of on the outskirts of the program, stayed with him for about, man, it must have been about two or three weeks. In the process of staying with him, I'm tra- I'm I'm training, and I and I met Terry. So and you he's had like no living arrangements, nothing no, set nothing, up. Nothing, man. I was I would have stayed in my car. It didn't matter. I was pretty. And I think people don't, people don't realize this. Gable didn't even know who
0: you were that you were coming.
1: No, no, I just showed up. I literally jumped in my car and showed up. I just, I backpacked. You know and showed up there so so I met through the training process. I met Terry and Terry needed a roommate He's like hey you want to you want to live together. I'm like Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I want to be around you know the power of the people you surround yourself with so You know I I live I was out there for three years I redshirted and wrestled too and all three I made it I made it with Terry uh, oh, you're living oh, with him the Living with really? him, yeah. We made it the full three years okay. together. Nobody else made it the full three is years. Is the hockey story a true story? The hockey is true. It's 100% true. That. Yeah, it's, it's true. So, I mean, practices were hard, you know, as you would expect. Um, practices were tough. So we come back from practice, and I was living with with Terry at the time. Well, I was living with Terry all three years. I am living with Terry. We come home from practice. We He was immaculate. Ter- oh, very neat, How do you mean? Neat, cleaned, organized. Terry Brands was was extremely uh, organized with his life. Wow. I mean, so whether it was with the food we were going to eat, we would make pasta, put it in a big vat. We'd grill chicken, put it in the vat. You'd, you'd come home from class. You'd grab a pan of pasta, grab a hand of chicken. It was quick and easy and healthy. Man. And we, we, were, we were pretty organized with our nutrition. But we come home from practice. We're on the couch. We're watching a hockey game. And he starts yelling at the players on TV. We're on the couch. <laughs> and he's just so intense, right? He's just such an intense person. He's yelling at the TV. And I'm tired and I'm cranky. Practice was hard. And I'm like, dude, relax. He was mad that they couldn't stay in longer. Than 60 than... seconds. They're, or si- whatever. they're in yeah. and out. And he's like, they're they're wimps. You know, they're they're they looking, they're not even fit. They gotta why are they coming out? <clears throat> and I was like, Terry, this is it's a power sport, man. They're in for a minute, they're out for a minute, they're changing lines. They're wimps And he's yelling at the TV And he takes a water bottle And he throws it And uh, I'm like You're a wimp And he goes You're a wimp Right And now we're (laughs) Now we're in a a Mindless conversation Just yelling at each other Yeah So we live directly Across the street From Carver Hawkeye Arena So this is It's gotta be I don't know It's gotta be 8.30, 9 o'clock at night By now And uh, You know We're arguing with each other I call him names He's calling me names so thank God he was a 26 pounder and I was a <laughs> 58 pounder. Well, I probably would have never said any of that. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I got size on my side. Right. So, uh, so, um, we walk cross street. I go, let, let's, let's go see who gets tired first. Let's go see who the bigger wimp is. You or them. And he's saying that to me and we're going back and forth. And and well, he's a 26 pounder. Yeah, he's 26. He doesn't care. So, so we train together. So, so Uh, We walk literally, it's right across the street. Our apartment was literally a stone's throw away from from Carver. We get into the wrestling room. We get our stuff on. And we must have wrestled for, heck, it had to be, it'd probably be over an hour. And we're just, we're fighting, you know. But no one's throwing punches and we respect each other. No one's throwing money. But we're wrestling full go. And I I remember it this way. He may remember it a different way. But this (laughs) is not. This is the way I remember it. I remember... Uh, I remember saying to him, listen, I, I, I'm never going to quit. And I know that you're never going to quit. So what do you say we go get some ice cream? I mean, that, and that's that's how it ended. That's how it ended. It's like, you're not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. Yeah. At some point, you realize you're in the midst of something extremely foolish. And let's put an end to it. So we walk back across the street and. It was like nothing happened, and Man. spent the next couple of years together. Yeah. What so, are,
0: what so when you moved in with him? What are some habits or routines you noticed him doing over your three years that you had never seen before that kind of stood out to you as unique to someone of that caliber? Yeah,
1: I would say everything in his life was organized. Hmm. You know, his room was immaculate. He made his bed every morning. Uh, his desk, uh, you know, like every pen was facing the same way. Uh, his Bible was right next to his bed. Uh, his nutritional habits were incredible. He, uh, from uh, cleaning up your dishes, he took care of his own stuff. Every time, every place, everywhere, mm. uh, you never left a sink in the in the in the in the uh, sink a, a dish in the sink right. right? You never right. left a fork in in the sink right. You you were organized with your meals. We cooked on Sundays for the week. Uh, he loved corn muffins. He always made corn muffins, <laughs> and they were great—the we best corn muffins I've ever had. Man. He was a big corn muffin guy, but he was—he was—he was always up early, you know, uh, to bed early. Were you he guys was, talking
0: wrestling the whole time, or just talking not, about not life? Not really.
1: I mean, we had our own rooms, right? So right. it was an apartment. So which was which I needed. You know, I'm very much I'm very much a people person, but I'm also a loner. You know, I like to re, re, you know, retire to my own space at night where no one can bother me. I can refuel, Absolutely. re-energize, right? So, so um, we didn't have sleepovers. You know, I know some of my guys now they'll stay at someone else's. I never slept out of my room ever, no. right? But but some people do that. Guys just they 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 sleep. So I hate waking so, up somewhere else. Me too, man. Very same way. Yeah. So very, and and we just got along that way. I probably wasn't as neat as him, but I was neat. Um, but I learned. I learned from Terry, among other people, Terry had to really manage your life, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for, for, for Terry. Yeah. You know, uh, so it was a great situation for me. And he was in my wedding, you know, came to my son's funeral. Mm-hmm. One of the, You know, one of my few guys from out there that came, the only one that came. Uh, and... You know, he's just, you know, we've, we've, life's gone on and it's been what, in 1992, I graduated. I was helping him try to make the team. Um, flew out to do some training with him. Uh, 96 or 2000? Yeah, both, uh, 90. Uh, it was, um, it was 96. It'd been 96. By 2000, you know, I was too embedded in my coaching life. And yeah. But in 96, yeah, I flew out with him and to his place and stayed with him and, and uh, helped a little bit. Um, but yeah, just grateful.
0: What a great guy to live with. I mean, think about you—that winner. You're watching them six, seven months later, whatever nine months later, whatever the heck it is. You're living with the guy. What an yeah. ideal situation. So you redshirted your first
1: year. Yeah. Um, he tried to pull my redshirt, but I didn't get released. Hmm. Syracuse didn't really—they didn't want me to leave. Right. So I would have—I would have wrestled that that redshirt year because yeah. i had beaten Pat Smith that Christmas, which is really what, it was in the first time that. I know Gable noticed my passion, but he brought me in the office. He brought me in the office the first time I was ever in his office. Wait,
0: you wrestled Pat Smith before the finals?
1: Yeah, well, I wrestled him my fresh my, my, my first year at Iowa. So he the first year he won it, but before he won it, right. I wrestled him. Right. So I wrestled him before he won his first of his four. Yep. I wrestled him at the, uh, the Midwest Classic in the, in the, in the finals. And um, I was redshirting that year. And uh, I, I beat him that year. And shortly after that, within a week of me beating him, Mark Ryland got hurt. Mm. So Mark got hurt, and Gable wanted to pull my red shirt. <clears throat> but when I got back to Iowa City from the Midwest Classic, it was like December 21st, 22nd. It might have been 28, 29. Second semester I hadn't started yet. Gable said, hey, come in my office. So I I went and there were were no cell phones at the time, but, but, uh, so he said, come in, I want to talk with you. So he brought me in his office and it was, it was one of the single, like most fulfilling moments of my life when I reflect back. Right. (laughs) Uh, he said, nice job. Uh, we've got some, some scholarship money, uh, left here and I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you for the second semester. I said, "Wow, Coach, that's that's incredible. I I appreciate that because you were a walk-on. Yeah, I was a walk-on. Yeah, I walked <laughs> on. Yeah." And he said, "We got three hundred bucks." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but listen, right? All right? It could have been, it could have been dollar. thirty million. Yeah, could have been thirty cents. The fact that, uh, uh, uh I, I, the, the the human version of Christ. Yeah. Right. For me, yeah. at that time yeah. in my life, was holy cow. He noticed. He recognized. And he can see that, that I'm going to help here. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's so important in general, just for, I, I said this the other day in the press conference, I was asked this question after we wrestled Arizona state, but simply, you know, you, you're only a walk on if you view yourself as one. Right. And you just, how you see yourself is so much more important than how anybody else sees you. Right. You never see yourself through anybody else's lens other than your own. Right. Yeah. And, uh, And for me, I never felt like I was a walk-on. I never viewed myself as a walk-on. You know, I viewed myself as someone that was committed to the sport. And whether or not anybody in the organization knows I'm going to have an influence in it, I know I'm going to, right? And I didn't, for me, I didn't need, although it's nice to have constant reinforcement, I had that in my home. Mm -hmm. You know, I had people that believed in me uh, my entire life. And sometimes young people don't right that's just not the home they grew up in so you're constantly seeking belief from somebody else right and i had that so i didn't need gable to put his arm around me every practice and say hey i saw you had a good practice today right you know because i had that foundation so he said yeah i'm gonna give you some money it was 300 bucks and uh i would have wrestled that year but uh but I I couldn't couldn't under the, rules the, yeah a
0: transfer it, it's yeah. it's interesting about you know your self belief because I feel like people put too much praise on the compliments they get yeah and too little on some of the negativity they get right or, yeah. or vice versa so they're weighing the things you know, you know a little bit offhandedly meaning that if someone says something bad about you don't let it bum you out as much just know that you're true to yourself do your own thing yeah right? yeah
1: yeah Rick Rick uh Rick uh, Max Licato has a great book I think it's called the Wemex and it's a must read for anybody okay. And it's uh, it's a short it's a short it's a it's a couple less than a couple hour read, but it basically is is just having a sheen on your skin uh, that 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 when things are said to you or at you or towards you they don't stick to you. Mm-hmm. You gotta right learn how to be a landlord of your mind. Yep. Right to to not allow to be a, to have a, a a filter. Right. We've got to learn how to filter. Uh, what's coming in? What we're letting stay in? Because ultimately, right? We know that if it stays in our minds long enough, that we're gonna we're gonna become that. Right. Right. At the end of the day, right? We become our ultimately We become our thoughts. Right. Right. So, so for me, I was just really blessed to have a father that had relentless belief in me. I had a brother and a family and a mother that, and friends in the community. I mean, I was just in a really good environment of people, coaches. You know, that. That I was, I never longed for you know, belief. Right. You know?
0: I mean, um, unbelievable you had that because a lot of kids don't have that. Yeah, most you know? kids and, don't, right? The,
1: yeah. Um, so you look
0: at something like Beat the Streets. I'm I'm, getting, yeah. I'm in Chicago Beat the Streets. Mike Powell's running that. It's like any of those programs are doing yeah, something yeah. like that, totally selfless is a beautiful thing because yeah. when you don't have that self-belief at home, how can you get it in yourself?
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, it's a, it's a, it was a gift. It was a gift and it's a gift to anyone. That, and and it's, it's, the, it's the critical role of coaches. Right right because because more often than not we'll run across people that don't have that right right that that, that weren't granted that gift and it's a gift because you, you, you didn't necess- you didn't choose it initially right you were born into it right to Absolutely. some degree you're born into it and some people are born into homes where dad died young and mom's struggling or or didn't know dad right or or, or dad struggled right or dad struggled because dad didn't never had someone that really believed in him so there's a vicious cycle and and as coaches, it's a responsibility to break it, right, in those that, that need it. So not to get too philosophical and deep. No, no, I, deep. I love it because yeah. you, you know, we're,
0: you're know we you talking about situations where single mom, no dad. That's stuff yeah. in the United States, right? Yeah. Think about somewhere in Africa, wherever. Yeah. Like we got it good over here, even the worst people here. Um, right. A couple more things in Iowa that I want to hit on your yeah. coaching career. Yeah. But so when you think about Gable, I've interviewed probably 25 people who talk about Gable, what makes him great. One of the things to me that jumps out is he was okay with giving guys individual attention, right? Yeah. Ed Ban or Lou Bannock never practiced with the team his senior year. Mm, yeah. That's a really fine balance. What do you think about that? Is that, in your opinion, what made him as effective as he was?
1: So I think the first thing for me that made him um, one of the elite coaches of all time was uh, the fact that he was so incredibly trustworthy. Because progress ends when trust ends, mm. right? Or progress slows. And in order to have progress, you've got to have trust first, right? It's trust and then progress, right? We talk a lot about this. Travelda Legniff, one of my great coaches here, talks a lot about this. And it's trust first and then progress. And I trusted him. And part of the reason why I trusted him so much is because his life was an example of what I I, I aspired. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so. So one, he was so incredibly trustworthy, from from in many aspects. But one, the training, he was he was he was competent, right? So competence, right? The three C's: competence, character, connection. Urban Meyer, right? the three coaching C's. Yeah, Urban Meyer, yeah. Tim, you know, Tim Kite, Chet, Chet, Chet Scott, a lot of great leadership guys around here that, that that can, make things digestible, right? Like that simple three C's, right? So, um, so did, trust he, he, is he was, big. Yeah, trust is big. So the competence side of it, the trust. Hey, if I go there, he's going to train me. In a way that I can believe in, mm-hmm. and the more I be- believed in it, the better I did, and the more I trusted, the more I trusted, the more I- progress I had, the more progress I had, more. So it's this vicious cycle. So that was a big a big point. He was incredibly honest and truthful, but never per- got got personal. So he was very positive. Um, kind of Bill Belichick and his ability to just state the news and move on. right? State the news and move on. Look, I'm not I'm not I'm not picking on you. I'm not belittling you. I'm not degrading you. I'm not I'm not doing any of that. I'm sharing truth with you about the wrestling, right. not about you as a human being, about about your wrestling, right? right? So um, he had the, and because of the trust, you never questioned what you brought up, and that's, hey, hey, why is, it was a very mature, uh, mature culture. He had an incredible culture there where it was, hey, I, I never looked over and said, well, he's only practicing two days a week, and I'm practicing five. <laughs> you know, like that's such a, uh, Selfish. It, a selfish, narrow-minded outlook. Trust the guy in what he's doing. I trusted him. I'm not overly. The other thing is own your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be part of a better team, be a better you. Yeah. Focus on you. I'm not saying to not lift people up, right? You've got to lift people up along the way, but to get involved in why someone's training less than you are, is 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 a dangerous road. It's also a very challenging environment that he created you've got to be really unique to create it where where people are doing different things get in 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 the goal of getting to the same place right right because you could have it could be chaos you can have right you can have a, a coup you Absolutely. know so hey the guys get together why is he doing that and look at him he's only doing this and i'm doing this but he had the the trust of the team to maneuver training sessions and the amount of training uh, there, was, there was cookie cutter. There was a cookie cutter. There were, there were a lot of things everyone did. Right. But there was also, the, he gave you the ability to choose and the ability to, he communicated with you and, and he knew that, hey, you may not need what other people need. So he was, he was uh, I would say those are the things that really stand out for me. And he gave me a chance. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful that he gave me a chance. You know, when he first met me, when I showed up to practice the first day over the summer and he said, who are you? And I said, I'm Tom. And he said, "Okay." And I, I said, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, "I'm gonna transfer and wrestle for you this year." He said, "Okay." He said, "Well." He said, "You're not." What he said was, "You're not gonna get any better sitting there." Was, that, that, that's what he said. You're not gonna be. I was sitting in the corner of the room, and I was, I was a little. I wasn't scared, but I didn't know anybody. And
0: this the same date you got in with Royce. Yeah, like a yeah, hour, Couple day. hours later. A couple hours later, yeah. I
1: went to the room. He so slept maybe was, an hour. Yeah, I slept for a, a couple hours, and I went to the room, and, and uh, I went to the room, and, and and he was there. Well, everybody was. There. It was packed you know it was packed with people and it was summertime and that was a difference between you know yeah. I love Syracuse and I'm grateful for Syracuse and I, I I have great memories of Syracuse and great friendships there but this was a different place it was a different mm-hmm. culture and Syracuse it might have been a couple guys in the room this room was packed with people and I knew what the room was because I I trained there for 3 summers right as a as a camper I knew the area so when I went to the room and I was sitting there he said go wrestle these two guys and they were the Steiners oh boy I did not know who they were but okay. they were smaller than me I'm like I'm going to they hadn't made
0: the breakout on the inside. No, no, yet? they were
1: freshmen. They hadn't break bro. they were they were they were they had just completed their freshman year, so they had redshirt red shirt freshmen. One was a f- uh, f- 34 pounder at the time, one was a 42 pounder. Yeah. And I was a 50 pounder at Syracuse, so I had size on them, and that's all I needed. I was gonna crush them. And uh,
0: You didn't see a qualifier too. It's not like your yeah, slouch. Yeah, no, no,
1: I was two and two at Nationals and didn't place and so was disappointed about that. Um But I start drilling with these guys, so Gable's running this workout and we're drilling and these two guys you would take them down in the drill you know just practicing yeah. your moves you're going through your positions and it was a three way so i go on terry terry goes on troy troy goes on me i go on terry and this thing's going viciously for like an hour and the thing that hit me was when i took them down the next one as soon as i stood up they were in your face for the next position and the pace i could i couldn't my heart was i couldn't take the pace but i remember being exhausted at the end of this practice and gable at the end of this drill and gable saying time and I was like, God, oh, thank God. I mean, that was so hard. Yeah. This drill was so hard. And I was like, that was a great practice. And then Gable, I, I I'll never forget. He said, Are you guys warm? It was a warm up. And I was like, Holy cow, you this couldn't is believe this it. is bad. This is not gonna go well. I mean, my you know, you don't know, get that 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 mushy feel, your legs are mush, you know, your your are you feel like you have no strength in your arms. So then we wrestled for about it was probably about a 40 minutes of live. And the first five minutes went okay. And the next 35 were a disaster. Oh. I mean, I got beat unmercifully by these twins. And it was a crossroad for me. You know, I remember it to this day. It's a crossroad. I got in my car. I remember picking up my stuff. I walked up the stairs of Carver Hawk Arena. I went out to the parking lot, got into my car. It was a hot summer day. Car was baking hot. I know I had blood everywhere. I know I, I could barely lift up my head to, to even drive the car because they had pulled on it so much. I'd never had people pull on my head so hard. They pulled on my head. I got the key in the ignition, and I didn't I didn't put it in reverse, and I just started crying. I, mean, I just was bawling. I'm like, what should I do? <laughs> that was terrible. Oh my! I'm embarrassed. God. Gable's probably thinking this guy is probably gonna leave. I'll probably never see him again. And I went back to this apartment and. I remember thinking to myself logically, okay, they'd love to have you at Syracuse. Should I go back? Um, I remember thinking they were better technically than me, but more than that, they were, they were stronger than me, even though they were lighter than me, and they were way more fit than me. So I just got to get stronger and more fit, and I'm able to hold up. So then you start to increase your number of workouts, and you start to run more, and you start to lift more. And before you know it, uh not before you know it. It's not like, you know, ten minute abs. Yeah. Right. Months uh, and it's months. months. It's months and months of three a days. And, three a and days. Yeah, three days. Constantly three days. Oh oh, oh 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 lots of three days. Did you do three day that day or did you take that? I went day back off? that night. I went back that night and ran and lifted. But but uh oh, you did. Yeah, mostly three mostly three days Jesus. and uh mostly three days and then at some point in time the tide changes. Yeah. Right? And you go from you in this simple right? There's simple things you can hold on to, right? Just little nugget. I got to his leg. I got in on his leg deep. Uh, I actually finished one of ten. Uh, I I finished two of ten. I got three. I got four. I got five. And before you know it, you start to control the workouts, and you establish your your mind gets so strong that you expect to be the guy that wins the workout, right? So, so it was just a great process for me. And without people around you, they did not care. At all about how I felt. They, they, they never, never once do I remember anybody, anybody in my life worth walking alongside really feeling bad for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They never felt sorry for me. They just beat me unmercifully, right? right? And they, it wasn't even me. It didn't matter. I was a faceless, nameless person. Their goal was to be the best. And they knew that the way to be the best was to train at incredibly high rate. And anything in their path was going to get steamrolled or it was going to fight back. Right. He was either going to give in or fight back. Right. And, you know, I made up my mind in the car on the way to the hotel that I was going to fight back.
0: Well, I'm like, how lonely is that for you? You're out there by yourself. And I don't know if, if you're at the hotel or the yeah. apartment at this point, but just think about, I mean, staying in a hotel by yourself, it's kind of a lonely thing. You know, <laughs> you're out there. I mean,
1: You know, when I look back at it, like, like you look back, I know we talked about, yeah. you know, about air. look back at your life, and, and I look back at it, and I would say now that I was crazy. Yeah, like looking back at the young me, I would say that dude was nuts, right? But when you have, which we we know we see we 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 see in every right behind every person that climbs in any area of life, there was a, and I can replace nuts for deep love, Mm -hmm. right? There was just this deepest love, for me to want to be great at this sport, right? So love, sacrifice, right? This it's the same word, suffering. I call it chosen suffering, right? There was just chosen suffering there. And, and it was worth every second of it.
0: No question. I mean. Yeah.
1: But nobody could have forced it, right? So that no one, if, 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 if I didn't love it that much and got beat that badly, nobody could have talked me into it. Right. Right. There's no motivational speech that would have, that would have made me. Motivational speeches are not sustainable. Right? They, they fire you up for the moment. You get all fired up. You go home that night. You lift weights in the morning. You sleep in. Yeah. Right. They just don't work. Right. right? There has to be this sense of the deepest love, and, and I had it. And I'm, like, I'm thankful I did. To be great at something, you have to put so much work into it, and
0: you're not going to put that work in unless you really love it. And so yeah. you obviously did that. 91 season, in my opinion, one of the best ever. Um, you, know, you look at ele- you know, essentially 11 guys, All-Americans. Coach O, John Orsendorf did not All-American that year. He did the next year. Could have All-American easily. Um, my brother wrestled at Co So I have a oh, deep love really? For Coach oh, Osindor He's the man He's the man Love
1: Coach Joe. Well, He lost in the All-American round In like overtime or yeah. something So he's an you um
0: You Go on a tear
1: I gotta ask who's your one loss to Before the finals I got I got I, I got pinned In the finals Of the uh, Northern Open By a kid from You and I That never All-American I, I was beating him Four to one And I foot swept him Okay And as I was foot sweeping To his back He Caught me in a headlock and he pinned me in the first period. I was so <laughs> mad. Yes. That was my one loss. Okay. So yeah, it was
0: your win. finals yeah. match is Well, known, yeah. right? Yeah. You went against Pat Smith first, four time or ever, um, Oklahoma State. There's the Iowa Oklahoma State. There's the Gable Leroy Smith. There's so many things going on. You probably didn't realize it at the time or even think about it. But when I look at it as a documentarian, I look at, okay, in 84, Leroy Smith and Randy Lewis had some controversy. Gable mm-hmm. was involved. 88, John Smith beats Randy Lewis, right? Yeah. Um, 88, Arizona State wins. 89-90, Oklahoma State wins. And so now they're thinking the dynasty is going again, right? Yeah. But Gable comes back, baby. 91, one of the best teams ever. Um, Going into the finals with Pat Smith, what do you remember about your self-talking mentality going into it? Was it where you wanted it to be? Did you look back, see any red flags? Or was it just a hell of a match and just didn't come out the way you wanted to? I
1: think going into the match, I was incredibly confident I was going to win. I really believe, with every ounce of me, that the that the training that I had, uh, I was I, w- I was so confident yeah. in the training. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't I don't, I wasn't fearful. I wasn't I was excited about the match, and I really believed I would win. I had only wrestled him once before, and I'd beaten him. Mm-hmm. Right, so it wasn't like I had wrestled him and he and he, and he, and he crushed me. Where how am I gonna you know mentally he's living in my mind? How am I gonna? No, I had wrestled him once. It was a close match that I won, and I just believed I was going to win. Yep. Yeah. And... Yeah, and then as the match went on, I still believed I was going to win. And I'll tell you, this funny a funny scenario that that, that that happened was the week before the NCAA tournament, I went out to dinner uh, with Jimmy Zaleski. I asked Jimmy. Jimmy was really my personal coach. Okay. I mean, I had worked with Lenny Zaleski, who's still a friend to this day, but then he left and went to Alaska and— and was teaching Russian and wrestling in Alaska. So he left, and Jimmy came in. Jimmy was at Minnesota, yeah. and Jimmy was a, was a, was a legend, right? Um, three-time national champion, four-time All-American, and he helped me so much on my technique. And he taught, me, he taught me how hard it would be to finish a leg attack against somebody good, because his, his hips were incredible, and I would meet with him in the morning twice a week, a lot of us did, for about 20 minutes, and we would just attack his legs. He would give us good resistance. So I had dinner with him. It'll be before the Nationals. And I asked him, tell me what it was like, the experience of winning your first National Championship. Tell me what, what it was like, right? And he shared with me, you know, his first memory of winning his first National title. And so I'm in this match with, with, with Smith, and there's about 30 seconds to go, and I've got the lead, and we go out of bounds. I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember a lot of things about the match, even though it was, what, 1991. So what, were are 29 years removed? At Carver, too. At Carver, 29 years ago. I remember every moment of the match. So I remember going out of bounds. I remember looking at the score. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm up by one. I look at the score. And I look at the time. And I remember my mind going to uh, the conversation I had with Jimmy. I'm going to win. I mean, my dreams, I mean, everything I wanted, I'm going to win this thing. He's not scoring on me. So that 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 mindset happens from the edge of the mat until I walk into the center. I got 32 seconds to go, something like that. I'm up by one. I have this vision of me winning it. I have this memory of me talking to Jimmy. I step on the line. And I I I, I talk to young people, the, the the clashing of minds. He goes out of bounds with me. He looks at the clock and his mind saying, I'm gonna, I got one more shot. I'm scoring. My mind's going. I won. His mind's going. I'm going to score. You do not want to be me in that situation, Man. right? You want to be the mindset that's always attacking.
0: Yeah, he's thinking I'm getting ready to go as hard as I can for 30 seconds. You're thinking back to a dinner you back had. Th- yes, I'm thinking. Yes, not a good situation. Yeah. And that all happens so quickly.
1: So quickly. So he takes me down, right? He low singles me, takes me down with maybe 20 seconds to go. Um. And and. I'm still. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get out. I'm convinced I'm gonna get out. And this is. This is. This is funny. This happens years later. But I don't get out and I lose. Yeah. Right. It's heartbreaking. I lose. I got another year. I'm gonna come back next year and get as my junior year. I'm gonna get him. This is really funny though. And, but I'll, I'll. I'll end with that because maybe we'll talk about it later. Hit it now. Keep yeah. going. So so, so now now. Uh, the year we won the nationals as a coach, I won the nationals in 2015. Uh, I've got a friend named Chad Silverstein who's a donor of the program. A good friend here. He's helped me out. And Chad's always talked about this, this this coach of his that was really, uh, he was very analytical. He saw everything. But I remember, I remember in the national finals being in a position where I'm gonna reverse him. Like there's nothing he can do. From a leverage standpoint, I'm gonna come out on top. And for some reason, I remember this day, I couldn't move. And I remember after the match, walk off the mat, think about that one position, cause he took me down Yeah. and I'm gonna reverse him and win. And I remember thinking he's superhuman. Like there's no way. Like it was a, how could he have held me there? He was so strong. Wow. So, so fast forward, this guy, Chad, we win the nationals and he's, he's, he had talked about this, this coach that was really analytical, blah, blah, blah. So we win the nationals and he sends me a video of the national finals. This is 20, this is 15, this is 20, this is 24 years later, mm-hmm. he goes, Hey, watch the last 10 seconds. I had watched the match so many times. Right, he goes. My coach noticed something in the match about the last ten seconds. I'm like, what did he notice? What could it possibly be? What could it be? I've seen it so many times. So he said, he 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 has a hold of your headgear. So I'm sitting up, and he's grabbing on. His fingers are inside my headgear. Oh. So I'm like, come on. So I so he's sending the link, and I watch it. It's clear as day. His hand. So I'm doing a sit up. I'm above him.
0: Is this when he went out about three seconds left or right, right when he got taken? Before it? that. Okay.
1: Before that. So right yeah. i get taken down. I'm rolling yeah. into him. I'm rolling into him and I, I'm, I'm going to reverse him and I can't move and you'll see his hand inside that my head. You know, right? So it's funny, you know, right? It's funny. He so said, it's over. It's long, it's yeah. long gone, right? And uh, so I watch it. I'm like, wow, that ex- that, that it cleared so much <laughs> so up for me. Superhuman. So were right. you at 24 years later? I'm like, oh my God, it cleared so much up for me. So I take the clip and I send it to two people. I, I, I'm way over this right yeah. I mean he won he's, he's a better wrestler that night It's not about that right But uh, So I send the clip to two people We had just won the nationals And Logan had just become The fourth I think the fourth four timer Yeah So I send the clip to Logan I go Logan you're the third four timer I got cheated Right <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes And I send it to Gable I go Gable How did you miss this So I send him a link Yeah How did you miss this so I got two responses. The first response from Gable was from Gable. The second response was from Logan. The response from Gable was Your team, it goes, it's 2015. Your team just won the Nationals. Congratulations, get over it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was
1: it. God, that what was did Steber say? Steber's Stieber, comment was Coach, we should send this clip to the NCAA and you should re-wrestle the last 10
0: seconds. (laughs) That would be priceless. Logan's Logan's
1: is a classic. He's he's hilarious. Classic Logan response. So do you think uh, you would be the head coach at
0: Ohio state today? If you had won that match?
1: Wow. Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't believe in chance, right. In anything in life. Um, uh, because you probably but, wouldn't have gone to mm-hmm.
0: Hofstra so early. You probably would have wrestled senior level a little bit more. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, don't know. I I think
1: oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I like to think that everything that happened in my life happened for a reason and it led me here. Right. You know, and that, um, and that, uh, I, I, I I yeah. So I, I don't know. That's a great question. I just thought about. it. Yeah, that's it. an yeah. interesting question. No, but it definitely. You know, I learned so much from the the the, the, the whole experience, right? And it, it's it's helped me, uh, you know. It's helped me become a better coach, you know. I, I, I don't walk around with a lack of confidence because I didn't win the nationals. You know, it's not something that has stained my life and ruined my life. I think, I think tragedy, I think tragedy is is in life is, is when we don't take anything from wrestling. Right, you're the guy that that did win everything, right? And you haven't you haven't transformed from the guy who's sitting in the corner of the bar talking about wrestling matches right. from the guy that's impacting people in life and. And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know, but well, the reason yeah. I'm keying in on this match mm, yeah. in the
0: documentary is that Gable said yeah. that was the hardest match he's ever coached. Yeah, and if you watch him in that video, the yeah. announcers like Gable's ready for the coronary <clears throat> unit. Yeah, he looks like he's really stressed that match. The other one is Alan Freed and Tom Brands. I've had yeah. Alan Freed on the podcast. Love that guy. And, he's and, amazing. Yeah, and Tom Brands, obviously, what a rivalry. Yeah. Um, but the what I thought about with Pat Smith, and then we'll we'll wrap up here soon, in relation to you as a coach. When you won in, you know, in Iowa, how we doing on time, yeah, I'm right, I'm right. Okay. When Iowa won in 91, you know, dominated, Gable had to be happy, but he also had to be bummed that you lost, right? Yeah. You win in 2015, your main guy, Snyder, loses. Yeah. So now you're, like, kind of the same situation, yeah. right? It's the happiest moment for the team, but you're wrestling with the loss of one of your guys. How do you think Gable, or how do you think you do that, where it's, like, you're pumped for the 2015 National Championship, but you got to be feeling real bad for Snyder at the same time?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's always, you know, I I – I think the only way to manage uh, this position, this job, and the and the and the heartbreak that goes along with it is one one you you embrace the heartbreak, right? I I I'm hurting for you. Yeah, you know I'm hurting for you. But you get to a place, I think, where you truly believe because it's true that. That the, the potential learning from it can transform them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so Kyle loses. He could, you know, it, it stopped from being a four-timer, right? right? I believe he would have won the match, right? I think he was ready to win the match that night. It wasn't anything, he wasn't, he was well prepared. You know, Gatson hit a beautiful move and caught us, right? So, but uh, so you hurt for him and and you just you pray that right cuz learning doesn't occur until something changes right right so you're you're now you're now you're just you're in like like wasted wasted pain is silly right right so to, so to go through something really hard and not extract from it what you should ext- extract from it is wasted pain yeah right so Kyle didn't do that so i think you move forward with the sense that i wanted that for him you know i've had a lot of heartbreakers man i mean this job i mean we've had so many
0: way more than you have had you know ups. You know you think about no no question. Yeah. You
1: no know, no 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 question about it. I mean, I can go through a series of matches that we lost. I mean, Joey McKenna, this past year. You know, uh, Miles Miles Martin, Nick Heflin and and, and Cox, Bo Jordan, and Hall, Reese Humphrey, and Gomez. I mean, the, the the list is long. Colin Moore. I mean, the list is so incredibly long mm-hmm. that if you don't get used to uh, or learn how, or just come to the reality that. It's okay, it's good for them. Yeah, it's not what you wanted, but it's good for them. And and they'll and they'll and they'll and they're going to get they'll be better for it. Then you'll drive yourself crazy. You'll spend your life feeling sorry for people, you know. And and there's 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 a blessing in it.
0: Yeah. Well, I love John Wooden's take on success. It's you know total. It's success to him is peace of mind by knowing that you did everything you could to prepare. Mm, Yeah. And like if you do that, you can't can't control the result. That gives you some clarity, some peace of mind. Last thing I have to ask you, Coach, and this is through rumor. um, You know, Coach Gable in the early 90s had this thing called the 365-day plan. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Of course, I have it. yeah. Did you... One, he claims he doesn't have it, so either you or Tom Brands took it,
1: but... That's funny. I have it. I still have it. You do? Of course. I used it in my uh, job interview here.
0: What is... What is the plan why I mean give us this when did you have to sign it? what is it? I mean well, I, the th- I've only uh, heard rumors about it
1: oh I have it let me see if I have it here i I, I definitely have it <clears throat> because I maybe a coach has it right now because I let uh the it's it's just an annual plan for training I mean it, it goes through different seasons and different seasons. you are talking about the his his annual training yeah, yeah oh yeah
0: but he typed it up
1: on like an old typewriter right? oh yeah it was on an old typewriter I have a copy of it and i you had to sign it right oh yeah you had to sign it and uh wow where is it i I have it um uh i used it in my interview here on an annual i've used it ever since he gave it to me Um, so it's basically um everything from how you train how you think how you live uh in every season of life so he had it broken up by uh championship season uh Preseason, postseason, summer training, and it was just—it was just a breakdown of uh, best practices for success in each of these seasons of your life. So I—I I took it, I—I I tweaked it at at Hofstra because Hofstra wasn't Iowa, and there were some different you know, timelines were different. And I've used it ever since. Yeah, it's part of my plan. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. I I used it in my to get hired here. And the guys had to
0: sign it. Did you have to sign it, or Uh,
1: I don't have them sign it. I just use it now. We have team rules and stuff. We sign. Yeah. So I, uh, so I just have team rules. They'll sign, but but I use it as a framework. For my coaching, I'll have to, I'll send you a copy.
0: I'm laughing. I'd love to have a copy. I'm yeah. laughing because when I brought it up to Gable, I was talking about it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, we used to do that. I'm like, do you have it? He's like, no, someone stole it. I go, <laughs> I go, what? That's funny. He's like, either Tom Ryan or Tom that's, Brands has that's it. That's really funny. I, I have it. it. I have it.
1: And maybe I did steal it. I don't know. If you have the original
0: it. one, I got to see that at some point, yeah. man.
1: I don't, so I, I don't know if I have the original one. So I had it taken from his format and put into a, a, a Word document. And then I just had to change dates. I just made it mine. I'm yeah. a thief.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, it yeah, works. But, it works yeah, it man. works. yeah, right. Cool. So, coach, you know, as we step away from kind of like wrestling for a second, just think about life principles. That's what wrestling teaches us is principles for life. Um, you know, one of the things I've heard you say is that you're, uh, you're kind of known for being on your phone at home, right? Or, or your wife. It's a pet peeve of your wife's. But I think it's, a, it's more of a kind of a, a an example of being present, right? Because yeah. if you love something, like you love coaching, like I love yeah. podcasting, it's hard not to do it all the time. But at the yeah. same time, our relationships matter. Right? Sure, like I'm with my girlfriend; she doesn't want to talk about wrestling. Right. So, how do you, you know, do you have any techniques for staying in the present, or is that something you work on every day? <laughs> it's an everyday. Thing. I'm
1: asking from a friend. No, no, my <laughs> wife. You want my wife to answer this, not me. Right. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's a real challenge. I mean, okay. it's simply a challenge. Um, because, I mean, one, you get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, so I'm constantly getting information. Whether it's, listen, whether it's, it's not always wrestling, but it's, see, it's, 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 uh, current events. You know, there's a missile strike. I, I can get information quickly. I can, so, uh, I also use my phone. There's, there's notes in there. So, anything, anytime a thought comes across my brain, my mind's always, always running, it's in there. So, anything, anytime there's something to do with training, I, I, I put it in my notes. Anytime there's something I need to talk to a staff member about, I put it in. So it's it's not the social media thing only for me. So the phone for me is, it's an it's an organizational tool that allows me to brain dump. Yeah. But the reality, right? The reality is that that, and and, and I believe this, right? I'm married now. We're going on we're going on tw- twenty five years. Wow. Right. So uh, you know we have four kids, and it hasn't always been easy. It's been hard, and it's really hard when you don't communicate. Right? They say the average marriage communication is fourteen minutes a day. Right, that's the average marriage, right? And and in coaching, in coaching, you can lose yourself because you're caring about so many others, right? You've got I've got four kids in the house, you know, I've got a lot of kids out of the house. I've got donors, I've got I've got friends, I've got alumni, right? you got all these things you're trying to manage. Yeah. But if you don't make the relationship a priority, the rest of your world will simply fall apart, right? And it happens all the time. Thank God my wife is tough. Um, but yes, it's what's it's, your day like go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's something that you you, you have to be cognizant of, right? It, right, they're saying there's no, no success, no success outside the home, can replace failures inside the home. Right, so, so the foundational piece of all of our lives, right, has to be be present with your kids, be present with your wife, and and there is no such thing as perfect balance, right. There are different, there are, there are certain seasons of your life, where you can be. But 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 no but no bucket right at Ohio State, State wrestling we talk about buckets. Yeah. You got lots of buckets in your life. A bucket should never be empty, right? You never not reach out to dad. You never not reach out to mom. You never. Uh, you're always keeping some fluid in those buckets. But there's just certain times of the year when we're getting ready for the for the NCAA's. Some buckets are going to be lighter than others, right? So, um, it's not easy. Uh, we've gotten. I've got. I, I went to a professional life coach for it. Really? No, you know, yeah. No, listen, I mean, I'm, with your I'm wife by yourself. with my wife, by myself, with my wife. Was you it know? humbling
0: to do that? So I'll no, man, bit. no. Really? It's not.
1: It's not. You know, it, I, I want to be led, too, right? I think everyone needs to be led. I don't care how high. You know, most of the time in the elite organizations in the world, the problem in the organization is the leader, right? They're the pro- They're right. the cog in the wheel, right? So I don't want to be the cog in the wheel. If I don't want to be the cog in the wheel, I meet with a guy named Tom Rohde, Uh often he's an athlete's an action guy here that that mentors me i have a guy named chet scott that mentors me uh so and i and and the people that are in my inner circle are willing to tell me the truth right so so yeah lynn and i uh i mean we called it freezing the phone we got a freezer outside in the fridge and i would put on the outside in the in the garage a freezer in the garage and you take the phone you put it on the on the freezer and you freeze it for a while it's it's a challenge it's still a challenge right it'll never not be a challenge I want to. I want to win. I want to be successful, uh, uh, and you just got to make it. Plus, recruiting, you're pipe texting it's all the time, constant. right? It's constant. You know. So
0: what? If you get what time mm.
1: do you get home from practice during a, a,
0: week like this mid-season?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm in the house by six, six thirty. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good. I mean, and and you know now and then you're traveling more than others. I've been traveling a lot lately out to the west coast and, you know, as recruits. So you'll go see recruits and stuff and big tournaments, but. Uh, fortunately for me, I have a really strong, incredibly strong wife, Hmm. right? So in the midst of some real struggles that we went through, you know, she was raised with you just, you don't quit, right? You don't quit. You, you, you make it work. You will yourself to it. Yeah. Right. So, um, I needed a woman like that because if I didn't, there were probably times in, in my marriage that it would have been easy to walk away. Especially and she your did. Parents were divorced too. Yeah, my parents. Yeah, no, I no, come from no.
0: a family where my yes. both my parents were divorced several times.
1: Yeah, right. My, my, yeah, my, my too. And my dad, yeah, my dad, yeah, yeah. It's just hard. It's hard to. It's hard. It's hard work. But we made it a priority. I mean, we're more happily married now than ever. Mhm. Uh, we went through some things, you know. We, you know, we lost a child. Of course. At uh, that was just I don't know how we got through that, uh, but we did. Um, you know. I have had second chances. Uh, she's needed second chances, yep. right? Where we've 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 fallen and we which is why I'm a big fan of second chances as a coach. I didn't really need second chances in wrestling, but I've needed second chances in other areas of my life. Yeah. And and I was granted them and I'm a big fan of second chances that you can transform. So so you know, I think I think the main the main the main lesson or the main the main point here yeah. is just that In the midst of focusing on everybody else, as a coach and a leader, you can never stop focusing on you, you know, and you've got to make sure that you set some parameters. And, you know, there are nights we'll go out on date night and I'll leave the phone in the car. Mm -hmm. She loves that. You know, she wants to be the center of attention and she deserves that. Sure. You know, it's just, you
0: know, as I've gotten older in life, I'm 30 now, just turned 30 this year. You think about the partners of high performers, to me, that is the one of the most tricky relationships ever because when i was a kid and i heard that john smith didn't have any friends he all he did was wrestling i'm like that's what i want to do i don't want friends i don't want anything like that (laughs) i just want to be a psycho like that and i still like that to this day i love that kind of mentality yeah like i'm obsessed with tom brady because of how dedicated he is but at the same time you can't be like that and have a, a good relationship. And if yeah. you don't have relationships in life, you don't have a life. Life yeah. is about relationships, yeah. right? So you can't sit in front of your computer all day and work. You gotta yeah. be out there interacting yeah. with people and building relationships with your girlfriend, your wife, family, friends, whatever. But so like you think about the relationship between high performers and, is it okay? Yeah, <laughs> High performers and their spouses, that to me is one of the most interesting things that I'm become, Fascinating with it it's just in the past six months.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I would say one. One, I mean, I, 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 without question, have made the choice. Is a choice. There's two options, right? How we got to Earth. Option one was chance, mm-hmm. right? That, hey, I mean, maybe something exploded over time, and we had we had with this transformation into different species, and then human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 one. What's one option? The other option is a polar opposite of that that option, and that's that God is real. Yep. That God made everything. I believe God made everything. I believe there's a God. So if you believe, once you move to that side, and we're not forced to choose either, right? The gift of choice is the greatest gift on the planet. Yep. So I've chosen God is real because I believe there are more facts to that. There's just me, so I'm not trying to right impose it. But I believe that God's real. That Jesus Christ was who He said He was. And then once you believe that, then if you if you want to build a friendship right any friendship husband wife father son father daughter right mother 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 son mother daughter uh if you want to build a relationship you've got to get to know that person right and i as i got to know god more uh i come came to learn that the reality he says that that relationship is the center of the family that the family breaks down when that, that, that no child should even should come before a spouse. That's interesting. Like, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, and, 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 and the reason why I think I fall more in love with him is the more I got to know God, all of his principles are principles. If I lived by them, my life would have been way better. Not right. that it's not great now, but the struggles I had, if I could just follow his, his principles. And he says, that is the center of the household that eventually your children will leave. And when they leave, what do you have? Right. And if they leave and you've you've neglected. neglected you've lost each other you have you have nothing right and and that's when problems happen so so um, my belief in god has has helped me center myself with some of the truths that he shares uh, that he teaches us that he wants us to learn and when we follow them it's not a, it's not a, it's it's not a uh, a guarantee Right, but it is it is way more of a guarantee than us living the way we think we should live.
0: Well it makes things a lot simpler too. When you have a set of principles you live by. It's not you know everyone knows what they should do
1: most of the time. Yeah. You
0: know, doing it's a different thing. But when you have principles like that, it's just a lot easier. Were you a man of God, a man of faith when you were wrestling?
1: No. No. I mean I was went to church every week. Mom took us to church every week. I was raised Catholic, you know, I was confirmed, had my communion, had my confirmation. Um I think I believed there was a God. Uh, but I, I never had a relationship with him. I like think that would be the, where the difference would be I kind of always had a sense that listen, there's no way that this could all be here by chance, right? That was just a lot for me to fathom and uh, and then when I lost my son my, my priceless right so precious its value cannot be determined, right? That's that's the definition of priceless It's so precious to you that you can't put a price tag on it, right? Yeah. So when my, when my priceless became finding the truth Right, my process wasn't God or wrestling, it was what is the truth. And I and I studied and I learned, I moved toward God.
0: And you've only
1: learned <clears throat> that through
0: enduring the most painful thing anyone can do, losing a child, as you've, you've mentioned before and you've said in other interviews. I can't even begin to fathom, so I won't. But my question is, how since you've been there, how unimportant does everything else become when something like that happens? Um. Was that, maybe that's not a good way to put it yeah i Is mean i
1: mean you get you get like, perspective like losing a recruit winning yeah, a match it's like, yeah it's like yeah. Get,
0: it doesn't even cross your mind right no
1: not for a while i mean you're in the deepest darkest place you're you're at a level of pain that you can't i was at a level of pain that i could never have imagined but but i think what's so important that when you come through it you know i still get mad if the dog's toys are on the floor when i come home right i lost the son yeah you know how can you how can that even bother you Right, right, but the reality is that in the midst of your in the midst of your heartache and your pain, there are things that he wants us to cherish. Yeah, right. And and it's 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 kind of learning how to live again. You know, when you're in this, when you're in a spot that that uh, I mean, wrestling didn't bring me to my knees. Losing to Pat Smith didn't bring me to my knees. Having my ankle torn in the state uh, first round of the states, my team didn't bring me to my knees. They were harmful, but losing a son it brought me to a place of, of of of, total submission, of total submission. I'm in so much pain. I need answers, and uh, and I and I, I don't thank God that I lost Teague, but I thank God for what I've learned from it.
0: And how long were you in that place of <clears throat> searching or? Not stubbornness, but kind of resistance to God still until you got, till yeah. you submitted.
1: Yeah. So immediately someone came to the funeral and gave me a book called Sunday Heaven. Uh, he was a wrestler and he lost a, a daughter to brain cancer. He's still one of my great friends this day. His name's Greg Truns, amazing person. Uh, he sent me, he, he, he left the book there. I didn't really know him at the time, but he came to the funeral, left the book. I was going through stuff, letters and, and notes, and just trying to, uh, just manage my, my, my heartache and my wife's heartache and my kid's heartache and uh, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to move forward? There was a time when I would have said I would never laugh again. I, I would never experience Seriously. any joy. I mean, despite the fact that I had three surviving children, I was in the deepest p- despair. My wife did, you, know, my wife didn't want to live. I mean, we were just in a terrible, terrible... Were you a drinker at this time? Kid. No, no, I never drank. I had never okay. really been a drinker. Uh, so, um, and I never, th- you know, God willing, I never turned to anything like that. But, yeah. but... um. Um, and the reason why I didn't was because we were getting help early on. We were getting help, and someone said to me, "Your, your kids are going to react to this in direct correlation to how you react to it. There'll be a reflection of you in this tragedy." So that kind of snapped me out of Listen, <clears throat> you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. And and so often, right, in, in 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 heartache like this, in tragedy like this, the other children neglected, and then they deal with right. They're, they're dealing with the same loss, and they're neglected. So so yeah. early on. I took a piece of paper, and I wrote, I, I, I split it in half. In the left part, I put God. On the right side, I put no God. And I read Greg Trunz's book. It was called Someday Heaven. Mm-hmm. And he put his number, and I called him. He put his phone number in it, and I called him. I went to meet him. And we started studying together. He was a believer, because years before that, he lost his daughter to yeah. brain cancer. He was in the same pain I was in. And all he was searching for was truth. We weren't searching for a cushy landing. We weren't searching for an excuse. We, we were looking for truth and um it was about six months into my into my deep study uh that i came to the realization that uh chance was out and god was in and my list had some things on the evolution side and the chance side Mm -hmm. and my list had things on the god side and ultimately there were more on the god side there was rational thinking on the god side there was also some irrational Uh, this guy floating in heaven like what is that but it was also irrational you know how could something come from nothing what started the first something nothing right so there was irrational so at some point you have knowledge on both sides, you have information on both sides, and you've got to choose right one is right and one is wrong they're both not right, right and i right, think so right. many people just leave it there no no you got to choose or you got you need a new pair you 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 have you need a new pair of wrestling shoes you have no wrestling shoes you got to pick one right. you don't get to look around at different shoes and never buy one seasons here so i think i think for me I, the, the, the pain that I was in, it caused me to search. It caused me to f- find what I believe is the truth. Uh, there was enough information on that side that logically made sense to choose that. And I haven't looked back, and I never will look back. Some hard things have happened since then. Uh, there's tragedies all around me. There's heartache all around me. And it does not lessen my belief in God one bit.
0: When you're, the
1: year you guys won...
0: Uh, yeah. You had a tragedy on your team early in that season Yeah And so you had already experienced that And so yeah. in that situation It's almost like the whole team is your kids And how you yeah. react to that They're going to see that <clears throat> Sure You know I mean do you think that had an impact on that yeah, season? Yeah I mean you know
1: We're, we're it's, it's, it's hard to It's hard to uh, Share Educate Uplift uh, In things It's harder In things you've never been through Yeah Right So So you know, to have a perspective on something, it's always a little bit easier if you've actually experienced that thing. And for me, experiencing that—I mean, we just had uh, a, a, a tremendous heartbreak in the life of Singletary. Right, his brother was it, yeah. it was, it was one of the top recruits in the country, leaves his house uh, within five minutes, hits a tree, and is killed. Right, so so we're, we're we're talking to him through it, yeah, him through it, and just going through it. I think when when you're in that kind of pain, you want people that've experienced that pain. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, a, it's a bizarre phenomenon. Yeah, I wanted to only talk to people that could understand what I was going through, and the only people that can understand it are the people that experience pain at a level that we shouldn't have to experience pain. Man, <clears throat> coach, so, I, yeah.
0: from what I take away from that is just 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 be extremely grateful that we're even here sitting in this room today. Yeah. You know, like how many people you know, should be here or, you know, wish they were here and they weren't, you know, so it's like, what a beautiful thing it is that we're all able to sit here and, um, you know, again, I know I just, I thank you for your time. Yeah. Um, been an honor yeah, You're, same uh, here, man. My mom says that same she's man. a big fan <laughs> of yours. My brother's in Chicago listening. We're a huge fan of the program cool. coach and hope to be friends for many years. Yeah, so. I look forward to it. Absolutely. All Thanks coach. You. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.